In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Every physical malady is a result of man's fall into sin. If there was no sin, there would be no blindness. If there was no sin, there would be no one who was deaf. If there was no sin, there would be no funerals, no graveyards, no death. Every physical malady has sin as its source, and thus every physical malady is an instantiation of sin and its nature. Obviously, not all experience physical blindness, but we are, in fact, born spiritually blind, shrouded in darkness. Thus, St. Paul describes his mission to the Gentiles as a mission to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. So, too, not all experience physical deafness, but we are all born deaf to the word of God, unable to discern its meaning. Thus the prophet Jeremiah laments, Behold, their ears are closed, and they cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord has become a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. So too, while those of us gathered here have not yet experienced physical death, at least that appears to be the case, we were all born as spiritual stillborns, dead in our trespasses and sins. Thus our Lord preaches, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. It is true, of course, that physical maladies, to be blind or deaf, mute or lame, for example, often have no connection with a person's individual sins. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind, the disciples asked. Neither him nor his parents, our Lord answered, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Thus, we have no need to search for any reason why the ruler's daughter in our gospel text died at such a young age, or why the woman who touched our Lord's robe suffered from a discharge of blood for so long. Yet we can nonetheless see an instantiation of sin and its nature. Sin has brought defilement. Sin has brought death. The woman with the flow of blood was unclean and cut off from the temple. The woman who died was unclean and cut off from the living. These two women are connected not only by proximity, but also by a number, the number 12. St. Luke tells us that the girl who died was 12 years old, and St. Matthew tells us that the woman who suffered the discharge of blood did so for 12 years. The number 12 is usually connected with the 12 tribes, and there may be echoes here of Israel and Judah, sometimes depicted as two women, Israel dead and Judah unclean. Regardless, 
in the physical maladies of these two women, we understand a deeper truth. God's people were spiritually unclean and spiritually dead. It is precisely women who are in view here, bearers of life who are barren, one on account of a flow of blood, the other on account of being dead. If viewed from the angle of faith, it's difficult to discern here the difference between faith and desperation. The ruler comes to Jesus only after his daughter has died. To whom else could he turn? Likewise, the woman with the flow of blood comes to Jesus, as St. Luke records, after she had spent all that she had on other physicians. Perhaps desperation and faith are more closely linked than our noble pretenses would like to admit. If Jesus were not your only hope, would you be here? And if he is your only hope, why would you ever fail to be here? Not only does God's law serve as a mirror, revealing to us the true nature of our sins and sinful condition, but even a mirror serves as a mirror. Why do you brush your teeth unless decay and rot lies in our very mouths? Why do you fret with lotions and makeup unless our skin itself speaks far too loudly of fading vitality? Why do you despise graying hair and loss of it unless it portends to the fall and wintering of our bodies? Not only is God's law a mirror, revealing how we have not truly loved God with all our hearts or our neighbors as ourselves, but even a mirror is a mirror of our sinful fallen condition. Even nature itself testifies of our sins and betrays our futile attempts to cover and hide. Is it desperation or faith that leads us to our Lord for help? Or is there any significant difference? Would that ruler have come to Jesus if his daughter had not died? Would that woman have come to Jesus if her flow of blood had been healed long ago? C.S. Lewis wrote, We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, and shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. No doubt, pain as God's megaphone is a terrible instrument. It may lead to final and unrepentant rebellion but it gives the only opportunity the bad man can have for amendment. It removes the veil. It plants the flag of truth within the fortress of the rebel soul. And I might add only this. Pain is meant to lead us to our Lord Jesus. 
the decay of nature and our bodies is meant to lead us to the one in whom there is no decay. The dysfunction of our relationships is meant to lead us to the one in whom we may find true understanding and peace. The test results, the diagnoses from the doctor's office, and the brushes with death are all meant to lead us to the one who is life. As we often say, where there's smoke, there's fire. So too, where there's physical malady, there's spiritual malady. And thus we are driven to the one in whom there is forgiveness of sins. The one who arises before us with healing in his wings. Will he heal a temporal, physical malady? If so, it is to show all the more how he will heal the spiritual malady and root cause and then raise us in our bodies incorruptible on the last day. But how does our Lord have the right to remove the just consequences of our sins? Precisely because he is the one who has come to bear the sins of the world. In order to remove our griefs and burdens here or hereafter, he must first bear our griefs and carry our burdens. It is on the cross where we see this most poignantly. His blood flowing for our forgiveness, his arms outstretched with healing in his wings. He who healed the woman with the flow of blood bleeds himself. From him comes a flow of blood that does not defile but cleanses. As St. John writes, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. He who raised the ruler's daughter from death dies himself. Here is a death that puts death to death. As the author of Hebrews writes, he has destroyed the power of death. At the heart of Matthew's account of the two women, it's a question of uncleanness. If Jesus were any other, the touch of the unclean woman would have rendered him unclean. If Jesus were any other, to come into contact with the body of the deceased girl would have also rendered him unclean. In the first instance, the woman deliberately reaches out and touches Jesus, running her hand over the fringe of his robe. In the second instance, it is Jesus who deliberately reaches out, touching the woman and taking her by her hand. Not only does Jesus heal the one and resurrect the other, he renders each one clean, and that without being defiled himself. This is the most intriguing, most welcoming, most comforting thing of all. Our Lord does not shy away from the unclean or become defiled himself. Our Lord will not shy away from us or become defiled by us. Your sins, your maladies of body, your maladies of soul will not cause him to withdraw from you or to recoil in horror. No, 
here is one who cannot be defiled, one who is greater than all sins and all maladies, one who is greater than the condemnation of your own heart, one who is indeed greater than all hearts combined. He allows himself to be grasped by the sinner, no matter how defiled, and he reaches out to grasp the sinner, no matter how defiled. One kind of desperation or another has brought you to him, and this day he allows himself to be grasped by you, and he reaches out to grasp you himself, and this in the most holy and unimaginable of ways. He gives you his own body and his own blood to purify you, to cleanse you, and as a promise that even as he forgives you all your sins, he will cleanse and heal and raise your body so that even as he himself has been risen from the grave, so you too shall rise. No mirror of the law, no plain old everyday mirror will have the last word. No diagnosis, no pain, no alienation, and no loss. The last word belongs only to he who is himself the last and the first. Take heart, he says. Your faith has saved you. Rise from the grave and enter into the joy of your master. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.